0: Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast,
1: where we talk about friendship, fun times, and most importantly, flesh and blood. Here are your hosts, Taylor and Isaac.
0: What's up, Attacktioneers? This is me, Taylor, and I'm here with my best friend, Isaac. What's up, dude?
1: This is me, Isaac, <laughs> <laughs> enjoying another beautiful January day. Uh, the past few years, it's been, for some reason, gorgeous in January instead of freezing. So it's, uh does not bode well, but it's pretty nice at the moment. Um, just got off of a long weekend of watching a lot of flesh and blood.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, uh like good nerds we are, we played Dungeons and Dragons yesterday, so that was awesome.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, Your wife is the dungeon master, and she is a very... Uh, creative world builder and storyteller. It's very interesting. Yeah. Great job, Maria.
0: <laughs> totally. Too bad she doesn't listen to the podcast. But I feel like that adventure is very on theme a bit with the kind of carnival phantasm we're going through right now with Everfest. So that has been pretty fun. Oh, yeah. That there's uh, some parallels between that adventure and what's happening in the world of Wraith right now. So yeah, there, there you have it. Um, Today's episode, we are going to talk about the results and the meta breakdown from New Zealand and Australian nationals. So we're going to talk about that first. We have a few other housekeeping items that we're going to get through. And then at the end of this episode, we have a interview with friend of the pod, Hayden Dale. Australian national champion. So we'll have a little short interview with Hayden um, just about his, you know, prolific run into Australian nationals and that sort of thing. So you have that to look forward to at the end. Um, We're not going to talk about any spoilers on this episode. Uh, We're recording currently on Monday and there have been quite a few spicy ones already spoiled. Um, But we're going to save all of that for the Reaction Step YouTube exclusive video pod with our best friend and the people's champion, Colin. And we'll be recording that uh, and that will be up at the beginning of next week. So right at the end of January, beginning of February. So you have that to look forward to.
1: Yeah, if you want to hear us ramble on about all of our initial uh, impressions of the new cards and what it means for the game tune in for that this is not that episode <laughs> yeah psa
0: um <laughs> so isaac you were just on uh a myriad of other content creators platforms uh, most uh enjoyably to my ears was you were on the Fresh and Buds podcast with Tommy Fresh, and he had some really nice things to say about you and us. And he explained our podcast as a two buddies who are just like having a great conversation, like at a coffee shop. And you like walk into the coffee shop, and then you kind of like overhear what they're having to say, and and you're like, ooh, they're talking about flesh and blood, and then you just get kind of sucked in to our witty and charismatic back and forth banter so that was just really nice and i wanted to hug tommy fresh
1: yeah really nice guy it makes a really great podcast uh we talked about draft principles i guess or kind of rules of thumb or general strategies so go over and check out fresh and buds if you want to hear me talk some more um I was on, oh, I wrote an article for the Wraith Times on reading your opponent, which kind of felt similar to, or like it ties in, if you enjoyed our last episode, um, it's kind of related thematically to that. So go check that out. They uh, publish a ton of content and are, um, I think, publishing even more um, in this coming year or this year. Uh, I also did a Leviah deck tech on uh, Unseals, uh, Flesh and Blood Unseals. So you can go check that out if you have any, uh, you know, Leviah curiosities. Um, Very, very fun deck to play and a lot, kind of a lot to explore as far as, you know, what lines you can take or how you want to play it. Um, Lastly, on January 28th, we have our spoiler video dropping, so go to YouTube, like, subscribe, comment, personal message—I don't know—all all of the things to support us so we can keep doing what we're doing. Personal and message. Check out our. Uh, <laughs> Those are called uh, DMs, direct totally. message. Yep. Just so you. And. Yep. Uh, <laughs> personal. We made personal. a a cinematic nice movie. Telegram related to our <laughs> uh, related to our spoiler. So enjoy that. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a
0: masterpiece for sure. I mean, you know, I don't want to say had, Ridley
1: Scott, but you know, same yeah, same
0: but, I mean, Martin Scorsese is uh, you know, a <laughs> consultant on this film as as well as a, uh, you know, some other of the greats. Don't want to name drop too much. Um, but they did helped us out, you know. They owed us a favor. So uh, you have that to look Aren't forward to. Aren't you all excited? Yeah, totally. Um <clears throat> the little teaser I'll I'll give everybody is this is the only thing I have acted in since freshman year of high school when I was in a uh, play about like twisted Uh, fabled children's stuff and our uh, production of this spoiler video and my freshman high school play have a similar level of production and props
1: (laughs) (laughs) really selling it
0: (laughs) yeah totally so um, there's the the teaser you get for the teaser You know, foreplay, it's a good thing.
1: Nice. Well, since everybody's all amped up now, let's uh, move into listener mail.
0: Okay, so we got a question from Archer. It comes off of Twitter. So if you ever have a question about anything that we talk about or want us to talk about something in particular, slide into our DMs, aka personal messages, or email us, uh, leave a comment on the YouTube video, uh, et cetera. Facts. You know how
1: to... Carrier pigeon.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, like flashlight sailor uh, <laughs> code. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I like the lantern, ho- hooded lantern. Yeah, door. Yeah. exactly.
0: <laughs> on a stormy night. Anyway, this comes from Archer. He asks, I would love to hear your thoughts on viscerai heading into the new meta. He targeted the previous meta really well, but I'm curious to hear if you think he's flexible enough to remain relevant.
1: Totally. As our resident viscerai expert, I, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 Only <laughs> you can go first on this one. Um, uh,
0: great question, Archer, and is definitely one that is on Uh, everybody's mind I would say initially yes right so at the beginning of the pro tour that we're about to have or pro quest excuse me I'm gonna mess that up for the rest of my life Um, the pro quests that are coming out it's the meta is going to be probably extremely similar to what we just had in nationals um, with maybe a bit more of like people's favorite decks or favorite heroes kind of popping back up if everybody gets some sort of tools or something. So your your Dorinthias come out of the woodwork, um, you know, Rhinar comes around, etc., you know. So uh with it being like very similar, I'm sure Viserai will still be uh really relevant uh into the next meta. Uh what's great about the deck is how many different game plans it truly has and how many different lines it has. Um, And it's just already like a deck that's really flexible. So I would expect uh, as long as kind of the Brutes probably don't come around, which they might, uh, we'll see what happens here. Um, (laughs) Viscera is probably still positioned like pretty well. Um, So yeah. those are kind of my thoughts on that but we'll have to see what other kind of cards uh he gets and that sort of thing over to you picture
1: picture viscerai at the bar like talking shit but uh but i just i hope the brutes don't come around you know i was causing me trouble uh yeah that's a it's a very powerful deck it's a very toolboxy deck so it can be pretty flexible and handle quite a lot um and when piloted correctly like when it could be pretty bad but if you really know your matchups it's quite good um but certainly not um unbeatable you know uh it's just it's one of the few decks that if you play each matchup correctly you have a fairly good matchup into like most archetypes which is mm-hmm. you know uh pretty unique or you know it's one of the few decks that does that well so I expect to see plenty of Visperi. Uh with the Rosetta bump too. It's, you know, of course there's Sonata, but between Sonata and Rosetta, it's, uh, it's quite powerful.
0: Yeah. It's like the, the creepers for me that really pump it to uh,
1: you know, a tier one deck. Oh, sure. But I you mean, know. that's tied in with the Sonata most of the time. Yeah. 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 It's all part of the,
0: same kind of combo or, uh, you know, the different kind of lines you can choose, you know, with Sonata or with uh, the Creepers or whatnot. So thank you, Archer, for that question. Really great. Um, yeah, that's it. You got anything else uh, there, dear friend, you want to talk about before we get into our main topic?
1: Uh, Nope. I mean... I got a lot to talk about, but it's all it's all on this topic. Ooh,
0: excellent. Okay, so uh, New Zealand and Australian national champs happened this weekend. So we saw that Nick Holding, uh, the first Drakai, takes down New Zealand nationals with Prism, and we see that friend of the pod Hayden Dale wins Australian nationals with Visserai. So Isaac, give me your uh, just overall thoughts about kind of the meta breakdown in both
1: of those nationals. I'm 0 for 2 in my predictions, okay, Taylor? I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you can just make me say it. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: You know, I make predictions potentially on this podcast all the time, and I don't remember any predictions I ever make.
1: Meh, it's just, uh, you know, just part of it. We do totally. a lot of blocking. It
0: wasn't until you said like, oh, yeah, I was wrong in my predictions. I was like, we predicted something. Oh, right. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, I just forget every time. Definitely. All
1: right. What was the question?
0: Uh, your thoughts on the meta. Was it what you expected, hoped for, didn't expect, et cetera, for both? New Zealand and Australia,
1: uh, it was pretty much what I expected to a T, right? Like there were a lot of briars that showed up, you know, more Channel Mount heroic style briars, and also Cheerios briar. But um, you know, with maybe like uh, uh, Tom it made it to the semis in New Zealand, um, playing. Pretty impressively, uh, his channel mount heroic Briar list, Um, you know, is quite powerful. In that last match, he drew his heroics together and his red plunder runs together, which I thought was a bit unfortunate, maybe, Uh, you know, may not have won anyway, but, uh, you know, he really showcased what that deck can do throughout the tournament. And then on the flip side, there were just a lot of guardians, mostly old times in reaction to Briar's. And then, you know, interspersed in there were, you know, some of the other other heroes, quite a few viscerized, trying to counter them, which um, is quite a bit harder to pilot, I think. And, you know, it was just pretty much pick Briar because it's super strong or pick one of, these, uh, one of these decks that counters it really well, you know, Oldheim or viscerai.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for me, it was not really what I had expected, but it makes sense, especially for New Zealand Nationals. So on day two, top 24, we have six Briars in New Zealand, five Prisms, four Bravos, three Old Himes, two Viscerize, two Chains, and just two other heroes. So uh, I can't remember what those two other heroes are. I think one of them was Kano. Um and maybe the other one uh, winds up being uh, Katsu. Yeah. Or maybe it was Dash. I think it was Dash. Yep.
1: Uh, yeah. Right. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dash and Katsu over there in New Zealand. And then over in Australia, top 24, we have eight briars, six chains, three guardians of the old time variety, two Katsus and five other heroes. Um, we don't particularly know what those five other heroes are. The, the um, kind of coverage of Australia was a little bit uh, tougher, but we do know one of them is Viscerae yeah. uh, with Haydendale. So um, interesting that there's more chains. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. It's a pretty good deck in the pre-ban uh,
1: meta. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we sh- we saw Michael in the finals of U.S. Nationals really showcasing the power of that deck. Um, yep. I didn't mention Chain, but of course, yeah, there's quite a few Chains. Um, a little bit less aggressive on the front end, maybe, but it's just like super powerful all around, so I'm not surprised to see that there.
0: So what was surprising for me is the... Large number in New Zealand of, um excuse me, of Prism, actually. I mean, which makes sense, right? If you're going to see a lot of Guardian, then that's like a really great deck uh, to counter that. But uh the Briar matchup, from what I hear, is it's pretty abysmal. It's like a really tough matchup. So you have to kind of dodge Briar in those like initial rounds and hopefully uh after the first draft to get all your best matchups.
1: Yeah, I uh I was also very surprised to see so many prisms. Um the strength of Oldheim though, it's like it's really hard to beat Oldheim unless you play some sort of combo deck. And obviously Prism has the best kind of the best matchup into Oldheim. Mm-hmm So, uh, it, it does make sense. And it feels like any deck you bring kind of has a weakness. So you kind of just got to pick one. And I was kind of wondering if the structure of the tournament kind of lent itself to these players, picking prism and kind of taking this risk maybe because you only play three games of constructed before before you play draft, draft, right? So if you're very confident in your draft ability and you bring prism you know say you you try to just get 2 and 1 in the first 3 games, right? And then you move to draft, maybe 3 and 0 or maybe you 2 and 1. But then after that, with a strong enough record, you hopefully will be playing more old times and more guardians, right? Right. So, just because there's only 3 constructed rounds before moving to draft and trying to kind of elevate yourself up into the the old time tables um i'm wondering if you know that kind of factored into that strategy
0: i mean it must right like that's the idea it's just uh surprising because i think in in our testing group we feel that viscerai is like you know one of the really strong counters um to both Briar and Guardian. Um, so that kind of seemed like a better pick. But uh, I can understand how if, you know, it's it's a popular hero, but it's never been like a meta deck until recently. So you don't really, or, you know, the masses potentially do not have as much practice uh, with playing viscera as you perhaps do with prism that was like instantly popular and had a whole like you know we had the whole monarch meta that was uh featured a a lot of prism so um that you know makes more sense to pick that up as a counter and enacting the strategy that you just so eloquently outlined
1: yeah i wonder if uh, they felt more comfortable playing Prism into Bravo than Viserai into Bravo and expected there to be more Bravos. Yeah. Or, you know, or they're just more comfortable on Prism. I mean, it's a very mm. strong hero if you can play it well, but doesn't really surmount some of your your poor matchups like, yeah. like Cheerios Briar.
0: Yeah. And but- Aggro Bravo specifically, um, it does get a little dicey into uh, Viserai for sure. So uh, that that makes a lot of sense, picking up Prism. You know, I was actually really surprised that uh, Matt Rogers was on Oldheim. You know, that just like was really surprising to me after being like a real pioneer for the Viscerai deck. Um, you know, to just not assume that people were going to take his his idea from Orlando and test and change it and that sort of thing. Uh, bold and interesting, very
1: interesting. Yeah. I wonder if in testing, he just had a better matchup maybe into Briar and maybe in the mirror, you know? Right. Or there, there was something that, because he had a really interesting, if you haven't, um, Go look up, there's a really good match between uh, Matt Rogers' Oldheim deck and Kale McCreeth's Bravo deck that kind of showcases uh, the flexibility of the Matt Rogers' Oldheim build, right? Like he has this kind of, it's not very hard for Oldheim to uh, flex defensive with the, the Crown of Seeds interaction, right? Like if you get C and Seed or, you know, using your defense reaction from Arsenal is not efficient or whatever. You can just crown it, which is mm-hmm. like really, really incredible. Um, it's like a lot more flexible than most decks in terms of being defensive and adapting to the current state of the game. Um, but Matt Rogers found a way to, you know, flex very aggressive with that deck. He ran Sledge um, in some mm-hmm. matches. And zealous beltings, rouse the ancients, um, enlightened strikes, and really, uh, really could flex aggressively. And um, I wonder if that flexibility, you know, just gave him an edge in a, you know, couple popular matchups that he just had felt like he had a bit better edge than the visceri matchup. You know, because as you know, I mean. With enough rune chance, you're probably gonna draw draw pretty well off of Sonata, but mm-hmm. it is a bit of a it's not the most consistent play, right? And um
0: well, it takes a lot more uh caretaking throughout the course of the game than potentially some other strategies might, you know. Yeah. Um just my kind of thoughts about the map the Matt Visserai, that's not, that's not his last name. <laughs> it's Oldheim. time uh, uh, on his deck was, it seemed because, okay. So like if we see round one, he plays against Briar and he just goes, you know, balls to the wall, as they say, uh, just like throwing olds out there, you know, smashing around against a Briar still running the shield. Right. And winter's whale. But then we see in his match against Tom Penny in the semis that he goes for a much more control strategy. So my guess, and uh, we'll have to wait and see until uh, Fab with Matt comes out on Channel Fireball, uh, but that he needed some gas in the deck to get himself through Swiss, right, and not go to time. So... um with part of the nationals being draft and hopefully, you know, and I assume Matt, you know, was thinking that he would do really well in draft that like, you know, if he's going to end up against Breyer or some other matchups where he can flex this aggro package, that he's going to do that to make sure he doesn't go to time. That's my, that's my guess. Right. Which I feel pretty confident in the, uh,
1: in that being the strategy and i would imagine that he did not expect to see prism as much as was there and especially not in top 8 or the finals probably because of the Briar matchup so i mean i'm just speculating but i would imagine that he was a bit surprised um cuz i mean he you know he knows that that's a bad matchup for him but right. he took oldheim instead of Viscerai. right you know and uh ran into prism
0: yeah. And you can see how like when he plays Tom Penny in the semis, uh, how much more kind of in control of f- winning that matchup he is as old time. Right. And we very much know Matt Rogers likes to be uh, uh, efficient and, you know, strict about some things and uh, is not a man of chances. Uh, calculated what do they call them the methodical Matt Rogers or right. whatever you know uh, so <clears throat> th- that could be a reason for for bringing old time as well what I uh, don't particularly enjoy is that now the US is going to adopt a ton of old time because Matt did <laughs> and prism because it won you know um, so well, well have, if we have that to
1: deal with, <laughs> if everybody is adopting old time, then anybody that brings prism is just going to have a field day, right? Which I expect right. to see some of both, but it seems that in this meta, it's like, everybody has a bad matchup, right? Like if yeah. you play Briar, yeah. it's tough into old time. If you play old time, it's tough into prism. If you play prism, it's tough into briar and you can like, you know, intersplice splice a bunch more heroes into that little <clears throat> rock, paper, scissors, uh, dynamic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't really have any extra thoughts about Australian nationals in the top 24, just because it's, I mean, the two Katsus is just bananas. Um, but that is like much more of the distribution that I thought would be the nationals game right? It's like a lot yeah. of briars, a lot more chains, old hymns, and, uh, you know, I expected there to be more viscerized, but again, you know, feels like the best deck that is also at the same time a dark horse.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've said this a million times on our show, but it's like <laughs> toolbox decks with a lot of lines and a lot of decision points. It's just harder to play, you know? Yeah. And you're going to make more mistakes over the course of a tournament. And it doesn't mean you can't win, right? Like Hayden piloted it great and probably made a couple mistakes and, you know, won the tournament. No, you know, yeah. fairly handily. He was well mm-hmm. prepared and didn't know problems. So I'm not saying you can't. It's just like piloting old time or piloting like a hyper aggro deck is just like so relaxing compared to piloting you know, I, I don't play right so I can't speak for that. But just like a a deck where you just have tough decision points on every turn, um, yeah, yeah. So I I think that that partly factors into it. It's like, what's gonna, what am I just gonna be consistently good with? And it's right. you know, I think for some people, bringing like a defensive old time is kind of, you know, you, you might kind of lean towards that.
0: Yeah, which I uh. I fully understand. I had, man, I had like another little great point here about something in the meta and I should have just written it down, but then I got captivated
1: by your uh, bullshit tones. So we'll, we'll circle back to it. Yeah. Um, I was really impressed with the prism play. Um, Yeah. He, he, uh, Nick, who won the whole New Zealand Mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably just having a field day cuz he's playing Guardians, right? But Yeah. He won he won 40 to nothing in the semis or quarters. <laughs> uh I don't and, remember. Uh, I have it, it written down, but it, it you know, doesn't matter. And then playing into <laughs> Matt Rogers, there is a moment where you think Matt may be able to to take it or like claws way back but then it just slips away again and uh he's like pretty thoroughly beaten i mean it's like a pretty tough matchup uh but that that prism deck is like deep control and i was kind of wondering what the or not deep like deep auras whatever you want to call it i was kind of curious to see you know i'd be curious to see him as an expert pilot you know play that deck into like viscerai or briar Mm -hmm. or you know just to see like how he flexes um because he he definitely he had a lot of cool little like he he was obviously well prepared for what was going to happen right like he has a lot of cool plays where he i mean i'm just this may have multiple applications but on his turn he would swing an aura first and then at instant speed make a spectral shield to give it go again so that way, I think if he gets blizzarded, he can pitch to pay for blizzard and attack with the rest of his shields. Mm-hmm. Or if his opponent waits till after he makes a shield, at least then he will have attacked with two auras instead of one before getting blizzarded. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And there's like a bunch <clears> of little plays like that that um, I very much appreciated. And I was like, oh, he he's got this dialed, you know, they he played pretty quickly, but definitely uh, definitely knew what was happening
0: yeah um i definitely want to talk about that more but i want to talk about the uh oh yeah i remember what i was going to say um but i want to talk about the top eight um hero distribution uh before we get into the championship games themselves what's your what's
1: your hot take what's your hot
0: hotness Oh, yeah. Well, so let's talk about it. Let's let's talk about these first. So in Australia, top eight, we have one viscera viscerai. We have one, two, uh, three briars, two chains, a katsu and an old heme. Yep. Right. So kind of what we would think about except for this katsu. Um, just ninja players everywhere are like. I knew it. Katsu's still good, you know? Totally. Um, in- also, great job. I mean, <laughs> yeah, totally. Baller. That's the yeah. real, the real winner. Yeah. Uh, and then in New Zealand, we have um <clears throat> two prisms, one viscerai. Shout out to Rohan. Uh, <clears throat> two old times. What did I sorry say that? Two prisms, two old times, a viscerai, a Bravo. A, yeah. a briar in a chain. Um, which obviously due to kind of the surprise uh, meta breakdown for us anyway in New Zealand. Um, interesting that there's only one briar. So uh, what my kind of hot take on all of this is like we, you know, in New Zealand we see more briars, but they, they really don't. Uh, make it very far and in New Zealand we only have one in the top eight so it just seems kind of weird now to have the briar ban right where it did not win either of these nationals and wasn't even like 65 percent of the field or you know there wasn't an overwhelming number of them right so what is that what how does that make you feel
1: <laughs> well so do you do you think the ban was unnecessary based on these results i mean it kind of does right that's kind
0: of what it feels like is now that we've had uh enough time to you know test and um figure some more things out right the players have kind of Pushed Briar off to the side a little bit, right? the The meta has changed, and now Briar, although still very good, and is potentially like, you know, could be what you call the like gatekeeper. If you can't beat Briar, then then what are you even doing? But just that, uh you know, it's not as overpowered as it seems. So, so the uh, restrictions and bans and stuff seem a little, a little weird
1: now to me. Um, yeah, so I I agree. I mean, Briar's different in chain in that it didn't just like lock out the meta and just right. beat everything a hundred percent. So it, it seems weird to ban it in the f- the face of the fact that you can actually pretty handily beat that deck. I still personally agree with the I mean, not, like, every asset. Like, I don't know if Ball Lightning need to be banned, to be honest. Um, I agree with the – I do agree with the ban, though, just because although Briar wasn't, like, broken to the point like Chain was in that way, it it made the game um uninteractive and unfun and impossible to play for, like, almost every hero, almost every deck, right? So the fact that you can beat it with old him, viscerai, and chain means it's, you know, and ice Lexi, but that, uh, that's a nightmare And <laughs> old him, um, you know, means that it's like fairly balanced, but it just, it like completely locked out every, you know, other aggressive or almost every mid range deck that's out there you know what i mean does yeah. that make sense like yeah totally it just no, it, I, it was an uninteractive yeah. unfun experience yeah. for 97 percent of decks you know and right. so you could say like well old him's really good and only a handful of decks beat it but old him is like so far unexplored or you know less explored and you could say that like uh Reinar, Levia, Vicerai, Kano, Saber's Bolton. You know, like quite a few decks have a combo um, archetype that they can flex to that in theory beats old him. So I feel like that's like a little bit less oppressive than, you know, the way Briar just, just made the game so you weren't playing the game anymore. Yeah, I mean,
0: so I don't mind, you know, I don't, I think that the uh, limitation to the earth tokens is great. I think that totally needed to happen. Um but like you said, the the uh ball lightning band seems a little weird. But so my one of my points here is is that like, you know, how many decks do we really need to be viable for the mob or lss to be happy you know because now that it's not briar it's like one of these other decks and you know then we'll have to figure out a strategy to beat oldheim or prism and then that'll move away and then that puts something else in its place right and there's like you said always stuff has like a weakness So, you know, how many decks do we need to be viable in the meta for us to be happy? Like we're about to start a new uh, pro quest and there's, you know, a top deck is going to emerge and are we going to call for bans and restrictions for whoever winds up winning uh, the majority of places or, you know, the majority of those pro quests? Or are we finally going to be like, okay, the game's really healthy. Because to me, after seeing New Zealand and Australia, it feels like, um, you know, things are pretty, pretty okay. But I do understand that, you know, the, you know, the gatekeeping aspect that Briar then uh, presents, right? Like my friend Thomas, shout out to Thomas calls it kind of the fun police, right? You can't get too cute because there will be a briar and they just slap you around, you know? Yeah. So Uh, I I don't know.
1: I I hear you. And that's a very good point. Um, Which made me think of, I guess, my... So my hope is that, you know, LSS... So there's a difference between um, a healthy competitive meta and a healthy game. Right. The people play Mm -hmm. at armories for fun, you know? So even like pre Briar ban, you could say that the game had a very healthy competitive meta because you could play Ice Lexi, Briar, Old Him, Viscerai, maybe Bravo, and they all kind of countered each other to some degree. But so, yeah, it was like the dream of a competitive meta where it's kind of a rock paper scissors situation and you have to
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know right um navigate that well which is awesome but yeah. i would just argue that for most players you know at the like armory level briar just like i said made the game unplayable so i think that that i mean i don't know but i would imagine that that was part of the factor in the briar ban hmm.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that's a great extra point because the majority of players are casual level players, you know, and uh, we hear it all the time in our discord, like blitz armory, right? Like, etc. So uh, my, my point being that like armories aren't reflections of the national competitive scene or. Uh, Road to Nationals or the ProQuest and stuff. And so you have a really good point. My follow-up question to that, and we did talk about this uh, briefly on the, not me and you, but uh, me and some other friends of the pod on Twitter spaces um, about the, uh, you know, the, no, 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 not the competitive, the casual viability of flesh and blood and how there really isn't a particular format or, uh, you know, something that's like really good for new players and casual level players in the game currently. Right. Like I think blitz is supposed to fill that role, but then you just like show up with Kano you know, and you or Ira or whatever and
1: or Briar and like, winning one. Yeah, two turns. Yeah, totally. <laughs>
0: yeah. And just like spike the crap out of your like Blitz Armory and, you know, whoever Sally is over there trying to, you know, play her, you know, whatever deck, um, you know, loves data doll and wants to play data doll and then just gets, you know, smoked. So it's not really like a, a casual. Uh, format even though it's a good entry level to maybe more serious uh play you know and draft yeah. and sealed is pretty good but then if you you know your first draft if you show up and you're like or sealed you're just like i don't know i guess i don't know what any of these cards do you know
1: yeah maybe that's because the game is oh sorry
0: no go ahead yeah was, well because the game is
1: fairly uh fairly difficult. Um, maybe the problem is right. Like going to an armory like draft or whatever with experienced players and trying to break in as a new player is maybe kind of difficult. And like, maybe that's where the problem lies, because I think that playing this game in limited is like a good new player format. If you're playing with, you know, similarly skilled players, you know, as well as blitz, if you're playing to learn the game. But to me, Blitz is like and has always been the most broken format. So <laughs> once you like know how to play and want to play regularly or like try to win your armory, then it's just like a terrible format for that. You know, and then. So for me, this game has always been like, even constructed has been fairly new player friendly. So like throughout Welcome to Wraith and Arcane Rising you could kind of play the hero you wanted and you could have a chance at winning and you could get good with that hero. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you would always play an interactive game and, you know, compete and have fun, you know, um, you know, chain change that a bit. And now with Briar and maybe the power level of the sets has like gone up a bit, or maybe with those, um, characters that needed adjustment, You know, whatever combination of those things that's happened, um, you know, post-Monarch compared to pre-Monarch, I think, to your point, the game has become a lot less beginner-friendly just in terms of breaking into it, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that is a very interesting point. Um, Because, like, breaking into it uh, in the Crucible meta is like, yeah, you're going to get stomped for a while, but then you can learn and you can play. But now it's like breaking into it, you'd be like, well, I literally don't do anything and Briar kills me, you know, <laughs> in three turns. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I wanted mm-hmm. to try Dash or I wanted to try Dorinthia or I want, you know, and it's just like not a thing. So, um, I mean, I agree with the, I actually don't really hate bans as long as it keeps the game healthy and there's not too many of them. But the other hope, right, is that Everfest and then maybe the next set, but Everfest would kind of hopefully even things out a bit and maybe, uh, you know, maybe just be a little more available for, you know, players to to play.
0: Yeah. And I I fully want to believe in. I think you have a lot of good points, first off, you know, Um, I think discussing uh are you know me and you haven't actually talked about this and all of the, all of these different points and stuff but getting our discussions out over the pod is like so much more civil for me and you <laughs> so we should uh, continue to uh voice any disagreements we may have uh on the podcast in the future so maybe we'll add <laughs> a, an extra therapy segment sure um <laughs> Oh crap. Now I've gone off on a tangent and I forget. Oh, so yeah, I fu- I fully believe in the dream of like, I'm just the best person in uh, you know, the Western United States at Kano, and it's always kind of viable, you know? Like I mm-hmm. think everybody wants to be a Kale McCreath, right? Where you're just like an expert, good in every meta with your hero, uh, etc., you know um and so i fully believe that that would be great and i think that's like that's your point and that's maybe what lss is trying to do is uh allow people to play their favorite hero and then take that leap to the competitive level if they need to
1: right but Um, just to be clear what i'm saying is not be competitive with that hero just be able to play in a match you know, right. and have yeah. a chance at winning.
0: But then if you wanted to be more competitive, you've got all of these hours with your dash deck. And so you could potentially, yeah. you know. I just
1: realized that they can't all be competitive, but you right. would hope that they could mostly be playable.
0: Yeah. So, and then that's the reality though, that I think we will potentially continue to be in is that, there's just like as the card pool ever expands and stuff actually never rotates out, um, you know, things will get exploited and potentially the game needs to then like, you know, change a little bit and that sort of thing. But which is fine. But I, I think that the uh, thing that, you know, you were kind of discussing here is is just a dream and maybe might not be the reality in the game right which we'll see what happens after everfest um but i do not believe that like now that every hero gets or every class gets cards that you know it's anybody's game you know i don't think that is actually going to happen that would be great magical christmas land but
1: not gonna probably definitely not well, I'm really enjoying where it is now because we, like, as, you know, we theorize off the pod and, you know, talk about what's going on. It's just like, it just seems like it's in a really healthy place. And like you said, it'll probably stabilize, but just the fact that, you know, if somebody's going to redline aggro, you can just like ice Lexium, but then old time's going to smash you, you know? Yeah. But then it's like, if people are too comfortable and are like, well, I can just play old and not get killed, then, you know, the combo decks come out, but then, you right. know, if too many people are on Reinar, then, uh, going Briar aggro Briar is, you know, so at the moment it seems like really, really great to be honest. Um, yeah, totally. and except for a few heroes, you know, like Azalea that are still kind of left behind, um, it it just feels like removing briar out of the that oppressively aggro um slot has really opened things up to be able to like i said this rock paper scissors dynamic will hopefully just ebb and flow and it'll uh it'll be really interesting picking a deck to go play wherever you're gonna play <laughs> yeah yeah definitely Uh um- what's what's your take on the the strengths in this meta, right? Like, you know, like, who would you pick to go play in a, a tournament? Or, like, do you think the control decks are kind of the most powerful now? Or what, what do you think? What are we looking at going forward?
0: Oh, nice. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we kind of have gone on kind of a long tangent here, huh? Uh, <laughs> just, but uh, I, I mean... You know, I'm picking Viscerai. It's my favorite hero since day one. You know, I uh, and I'm sure I'll mention this in our interview with Hayden. I can still clearly remember playing Sealed for the first time and being like, whoa, this attack attacks for nine. I'm going to play this hero. This seems like a really good card and kind of like muddling my way through that game and being like oh now i have six rune chance okay 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 (laughs) and then getting like a three more somehow and being like oh wow i could i could do this all right and then just attacking for you know nine and nine with ninth blade and nine rune chance was uh you know an incredible feeling to have and then Uh, to now have that deck be where you think it's going to you know have always dreamt it to be uh, is just is just amazing so i would pick visceride due to its its flexibility and Mm. you know how well it plays up yeah totally and it's like hella fun to play i mean we'll see after we get done with like spoiler season and maybe it's still good and then i have to play it in like you know 12 rounds of swiss in one day at like a 50 person event <laughs> or some shit and then i'll be like fuck this i just want to play Oldheim and just like relaxingly crown away yeah. cards and block damage Yeah, and,
1: just you know. do my zen garden thing yeah
0: totally yeah for four frost hammer you know oh shield you know <laughs> yeah um uh, what about you? And then let's get uh, let's talk maybe briefly uh about the national championship games before we we get out of here and stuff, and maybe a few more things. But
1: um, yeah. So I've been looking at Lexi a bit. Um, it's just like such a tough match in Old Him, and I I expect the Old Hims to go down just because you like auto lose to viscerai and Prism and if Reinar comes out, you know what I mean. Like I don't think Old Him will. Sustainably stay as popular as it is in my head, but but we're always
0: wrong, though, dude. Like totally, we'll see. There's a ton like people in America love New Zealand, and and they're just gonna go sweet Prism and Oldheim, and there's just gonna be Prism and Oldheims at week one. ProQuest guaranteed.
1: (laughs) If you you watch those games, man, Prism and I was a hard second.
0: Dude, I mean, we were talking. Remember, Road to Nats? We're like, stop playing control into chain. It like does you know, not. Work. Yeah. And then everybody yeah, kept doing it. To me. And then we were just like, okay, I'll just keep going undefeated against control. You know. Yeah. So
1: fair enough. No, the, that's I on.
0: Think... That's on you, everybody.
1: <laughs> and people, I mean, old time's really strong. Don't get me wrong. And people love Guardian, and I think that it has a healthy place and can win a lot of matchups. I just mean, I don't think it will be the, you know most prevalent hero just because of its like hard weaknesses um into combo decks but uh so yeah i've been looking at lexi a bit and i can't help just always in my head leviah has the tools to tackle you know aggro like all race aggro ninja or she has the tools to like uh beat you know old time You just have to play really well. I think better than I can play, maybe. (laughs) So I can't help it. I always like look back into Leviat. Like everything's here. All the tools are here. You just have to be better.
0: (laughs) So, and that's what I tell you constantly: is just be better. (laughs) And you get mad at me, but see, full circle. I know what I'm talking about.
1: It's just not good advice because I can't then be better. (laughs)
0: Well, not with that attitude.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Touche.
0: Yeah, totally. So let's let's touch on the nationals game. So let's talk New Zealand first. So we got Matt Rogers, everybody's favorite, versus Nick Holdem holding, and he's on Prism versus Old Heem. Uh, really interesting match. Um, I think, though, that is like one of the better you know flesh and blood matches i've seen in a while you know first off like i was just less critical than i normally was during these uh live streams because it's been so long since we've had like high level flesh and blood and getting to watch something new that wasn't like what if you know, chain didn't have any weapons and yeah, <laughs> you know, Briar used this bow. Let's do that on YouTube or whatever. Um, So not having to watch something like that, I was just like, just taking it all in. And I'm just like, totally cool, dude, do your thing on that side. Don't agree with that play. Who cares? You're doing great. You're, you're living the dream right now. Um, So I just like overall was like less critical than I normally was. Like you, Sent me some messages or whatever, and you're like, "What the fuck was this play?" I was like, "I don't know, man. It's all good." You know? <laughs> um, but the the Matt Rogers, you know, the Oldheim verse Prism is like a really crazy matchup because you're like, do, Prism is like doing this thing, you know, creating illusions and stuff, and the Guardian players trying to like wade through this sea of illusions <laughs> to freaking hammer it that little uh you know i don't know smash somebody into a bloody pulp with their hammer and it's impossible you know yeah. and you, and they're both like navigating this walkway that where if anybody slips you know the other person can pounce so it's just it's just really fascinating to watch
1: yeah and you could tell uh, matt rogers had a like had a plan Or at least Mm -hmm. a theory for what to do. But it's just like, you know, I, you know, I kind of wonder if Bravo does this a little bit better because you can flex a little bit more aggressive and have dominate on demand to maybe uh, catch Mm -hmm. Prism on a bad hand and get rid of some of those shields. Um, Right. But it's just tough because Prism all in addition to this, like aura game, he'll just attack with a Herald for seven. Really um incentivizing the guardian player to block with one of their attacks, and especially with old him, you don't always just have a hand full of six plus attacks, you know, so if you have to block with that and then have to block some more, you know you you don't usually have the tools to swing back with an attack, and then it's you know hammer their aura, but then all their shields are still out, and it's just like you can see. I mean, maybe somebody will get there uh, with old him someday, but you can just see how the, kind of the limits of of that guardian class or that character, at least, um, yeah. you know, into that matchup.
0: Yeah. And and it's for sure like really easy to then theorize how to have done better. Right. After watching that game, you know, you're like, well, you got sledge in the sideboard. Why aren't we just sledging? It's like a bit more, you know, uh, pressure over the course of the game, right? But I guess, you know, you value uh, blocking with crown, blocking with uh, whatever it's called, rampart, you know, over kind of the the output that you would need from Sledge, which is kind of what it seems like that match is missing, you know, from the outside as a uh, also expert at this game uh, because we have a podcast. Um, but I'm not trying to take away anything from Matt or Nick, you know, I'm just, you know, yeah, talk, no. talking about the game in, 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 a uh, I don't know what the, what the
1: right word is. We're just breaking down the X's and O's, you know, hindsight's 2020. 20. No, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I get, I get the spirit of what you're saying. Like, uh, you know, you need more more output from old him for sure. Mm-hmm. But you know, Sledge only does two more damage than the hammer. And for turns where you like need to just spend your turn popping a shield and otherwise block, Sledge costs two cards instead of right. one. So yep, I think totally. it's just
0: great like, counterpoint.
1: Doesn't doesn't get you there. Um and the alternative is to kind of race, but I I just don't think, you know, with the card prismatic shield coupled with um you know, all of the auras, Uh, I think maybe the race is impossible because that deck, I mean, it's, it's really impressive when you, when you side in sledge, you know, and you can swing it with one card in a tunic resource, or you can play zealous belting into sledge, you know, and it like, um, I think it's impressive because that deck, even with that build can then, you know, play fairly defensively for many turns but the bottom line is you're still only doing like, you know, 10 or 12 or, you know, whatever damage, 13 damage in a turn. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, yeah, it does have its potentially limits. no hit effects. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's it, it's just it's just fascinating to watch them walk that tightrope, you know, all the way to the end of the game.
1: Yeah, I, I was actually pleasant because, like I said, in the quarters, um, nick beat a a player on Oldheim like 40 to nothing and it was just you know no no shade on the other player or anything it's just like he like couldn't quite get over that hump or like get ahead a little bit you know right and he, he almost did a couple times but it just pretty much got ran over and you know by one of the the toughest matchups in the game probably. And uh, you know, you could that's why I mean I was impressed by I guess the kind of the fight that Matt Rogers put up.
0: Yeah. How how close he really gets to yeah. uh like kind of breaking through and taking over that game, you know. Mm-hmm. And how Nick kind of just, you know, beats him off every time he's about to. He just <laughs> beats him off. Oh god. Um <laughs> you know. Yeah, beats him back. Sw- I know swat- what you mean. Yeah, swats him away. <laughs> oh god what are we 12 all right um maybe the more interesting match though it's hard to tell which one is actually more interesting but is the australian nationals where uh we have viscerai versus oldheim again oldheim featured in both uh finals games featured in a lot of finals games actually over the season yeah Um, when we you know kind of think about it but um really interesting right so we see uh that the let me find uh let me find something real quick right so we see that uh roy enacts a uh a, a bold strategy against Visserai as old time which was to do uh nothing well and just try to gain as much life as possible
1: yeah, cycle with the crown trying to find his life gain
0: yeah and play uh uh findall's toma findall from arsenal to gain a bunch of cards gain a bunch of life
1: yeah i don't know if he was running sigil. we didn't see any sigils but i would imagine yeah. he was also running sigils um which you know i don't know if this is actually a viable plan i haven't played this matchup but you know Hayden has a contingency plan for this scenario, right? He yeah. starts off the game pitching into grasp as much as possible. Right. Just to like maximize the number of rune chance he can create and cycle mm-hmm. his attack cards. And then moves into just making rune chance on his turn. But with Oldheim never attacking him, Hayden never gets to block. So there are these situations where you know Hayden draws an all attack hand or you know he has to play a card that shuffles his deck and then he has you know less like a worse ratio of attacks to draw or you know what I mean like yeah well I don't you know you know all the viscerai ins and outs um you're doing anything to say say about this
0: well yeah I mean that's like you know now Hayden Hayden is basically playing himself in that matchup and he's trying not to mess up right like don't play out too many non-attack actions, right? It all starts with the sideboard, obviously. Like you have to have a overwhelming number of non-attack actions uh to attacks, so you can continue to cycle your hand um and have things, you know, to pay for and that sort of thing. But that's the dance, right? Is that you can't get rid of too many non-attacks and screw up your ratio so that when you sonata, you only get like one or two cards, right? I mean, it still was like a little dicey off of 30 rune chance you know anyway um or however many
1: he didn't hit a perfect split but he hit some really good cards for it yeah totally
0: totally so so yeah so the the, you know roy is just saying they're like okay i believe you cannot kill me with your otk strategy and you know hayden was like okay cool and you could see how practiced he was right hayden played like lightning fast and knew exactly what to do what card to arsenal um you know plays blood barrier so he can uh you know have things to pay for and create even more rune chance and then you know has his sonata turn and uh you know it's massive it's a, it's it's incredible it's like a classic you know ninth blade creepers get to go again you know make some more rune chants rune flash meet and greet etc finish with rosetta and then roy's at four health and then you know hayden just finishes them off with just like another big turn just like right away using creepers again to get that go again and deal more rune chant damage etc you know
1: yeah and no, it's really interesting we um what we were talking about is uh Roy ended up playing two Tome Findals, so he was up at like 63 life or something like that. Or 53. No, 53 life. Yeah. Yep. Which is quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Hayden decided not to play Reaping Blade that would prevent any life gain, but having Rosetta helps you close out games much better with Viscerai. But he wouldn't have had to close out the game had Roy not gained any life. But maybe it's a better contingency plan, you know, as the, as the viscerai brain over here. I don't know. I just thought that was pretty interesting. What do you you think about
0: that? I mean, it's like, this is maybe an edge case uh, scenario, you know, where you would maybe want Reaping Blade and it's maybe not worth it because on your, you know, just how it happens right like you don't kill oldheim so you need a way to kill oldheim in the mm-hmm. subsequent turns right and rosetta does that so if you can get to rosetta you you know they leak more damage or you know it's two damage that they just can't block and it wins you the game and that sort of thing so even though like Roy potentially is going to get you know 53 health It's like with Rosetta, we're still going to get there, you know, yeah, for sure. And having been in, you know, not the same but similar situation, you know, running Reaping Blade during testing and then being like one damage short basically to winning the game and having to play a few more turns like leaves it up to, you know, stuff you don't want it to be left up to. You want that extra one damage so you can, which matters, you know. So you can finish yeah. out the game for sure.
1: Well, that's the real strength of old time, right? Is that, I mean, that deck with an arsenal blocks for 14 damage a turn or maybe 15 if you're also doing rune chant damage. So you block for 15 in a turn and then you have to take an off turn to get your arsenal back. So maybe it's like 15, 12, 15, 12, but it's just so hard to, you know, deal more damage than that (laughs) for a lot of your turns you know what i mean so uh i can see the the difficulty that you face when you're like oh well if i don't get him with the sonata play i have to be able to yeah you know do over 12 or 15 a turn which is uh you know a bit of a tall order especially when if you take too much of a turn off to uh you know set up a bit too much or get a little too cute then old time can also like oak and old pummel you
0: yeah totally so, so yeah yeah 100 100 i mean it's the right call i think you know and me and hayden were talking about it like um you know because we were uh you know testing separately me less to the serious degree that he is for the national championship but it was like you know we talked about reaping blade in the deck and you know how it's basic it's like the first thing you want to cut you're like i actually don't really need this you know we'll be fine just without it so gotcha yeah
1: um, anyway, well, oh anyway oh one ahead. last thing that i yeah, yeah. i thought was interesting was i did not see um or i did not anticipate how many prisms would be there but in that same vein there were a number of dashes and um, we saw Kiki uh, playing Dash in New Zealand also and did quite well. Did not make top eight, but, um, you know, that's a, a similar counter to the Guardian problem, right? Right. If you have infinite pistols that just get better as the game goes on, it's like a direct counter to the the Guardian. So, I, you know, in addition to Prism coming back, um, I think that you know dash will also come back is that deck's like quite good it's just you know uh with the briar and again hopefully it's not like a briar nerf i still think briar could be very good you know they didn't oh yeah totally it still is right totally get get rid of that deck you can still heroic you can you know so hopefully with the just the slight briar nerf um you know prism and dash maybe have a bad matchup but you can still play those heroes um and yeah i do expect to see more dashes that's another character players love and um you know plays well into the the oppressive guardians that we've been seeing
0: yeah totally does well i think uh that's about it i don't have any other notes i uh I freaking love flesh and blood. I'll tell you what, it's spoiler season right now. And uh, first thing I did when I woke up in the morning was was grab my phone, roll over, you know, with one eyeball, just haven't <laughs> woken up like it's oh, like too bright. <laughs> what spoilers did we get? Oh, s- oh, sick. You know, it's just a, a really
1: fun time. Yeah, I, I had a dream that we got a bow that's pay one, load your bow. You may do this three times in a turn. After you fire an arrow, gain resources equal to the number of arrows you fired this turn. So, uh, <laughs> even in my sleep, my brain is just not turned off and thinking about like, what are the possibilities? You know. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like last maniac, night. At, I just need to yeah, relax.
0: <laughs> it's a, it's so hard. Last night at testing, we we didn't play that many our normal amount of games because it just. Wound up like some spoilers came out and then we just started talking, you know. It's like very uh, low productivity last night, but that's okay. You know. It's all about the hours. It's all about the process.
1: Tough. Yeah.
0: Okay. Man, it totally is. Life is tough when there's spoilers (laughs) out. messaging (laughs) this morning like so hard to do work, you know. Um, yeah,
1: my phone did not charge last night, so I had to plug it in all morning while I was outside doing stuff. And it was great; I was free from spoiler addiction, <laughs> and you know, just couldn't couldn't have been happier. Uh, but now it's charged, so I can get back to it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hell yeah! Uh, okay, well, thanks everybody for listening to this main part of the podcast, and I hope you all enjoy our interview with our good friend hayden dale until next time
1: here's hayden
0: okay we're here with australian national champ hayden danceman dale what's up hayden
2: <laughs> hey guys how are you thanks uh thanks for having me on it's good to good to chat again not that we don't chat often to be honest but it's nice to chat on air. yeah
0: Yeah, exactly. So you now uh, join the pantheon of return guests. So you're up there with Colin, the people's champ, and you're our second national champion up there with Yuki Lee Bender. So pretty prestigious group of folks that you have now joined. So I hope that uh, feels pretty crazy, crazy good for you.
2: Yeah, I feel uh feel very privileged to be in that group. I wanna I want counter. If you guys can have a counter of I want to get to like the five time club at some point as well, you know.
0: Oh no problem. You know from our first interview I was trying to snipe you from Arsenal Pass. So anytime you want to become a permanent member, you just let me know.
1: All right, I'll let you know. I'll wear the Battle Bro t-shirt. Yeah, I think having you on is probably excellent clickbait as well. So, you know, just feel free to stop by whenever.
0: Yeah. Um, and just noted for you and the listeners, I did not offer the same thing to Brendan when we had him on. So just for keeping score, you know, and if Brendan's listening, just know he's got to do a bit more work to win us over. (laughs) Sweet. So we're, we have you on and, uh, we want to, you know, just talk to you about kind of your national champs and, um. You know how you're feeling how you feeling
2: (laughs) i'm feeling good it's a it's a few days post the nationals um it's public holiday here today so i'm just kind of relaxing i had a really chaotic sort of two days at work post nationals trying to catch up i'm may or may not have put a few things off last week to to get in some last minute testing so (laughs) (laughs) um so just catching up on things but no it's it's been good it's um i've it's, it's been kind of surreal just to reflect on it and there's been a lot of kind messages from from friends and, and our community and it's it's really nice and, and great to have and uh, just also to take my own time to kind of reflect on it has been has been good kind of been doing that a little bit this morning so yeah it's uh, I'm feeling good of course you, you can't not feel good
0: <laughs> yeah yeah all, all of the expectations there for that one so yeah we're I mean we're extremely proud I think I sent you a message afterwards after i gave you a lot of like fuck yeah hell yeah dude <laughs> i told you i almost cried when i you know when you won <laughs> i was so invested in that match it was crazy you know
2: it was uh it was really fun i got sure. uh, nice messages from both of you so thank, thank you both for uh you know also your messages during the event as well uh so yeah and and of course Thank you to to Isaac. Isaac actually helped me ram, uh, jam some games into into Lexi to sort of finalize my testing over the past two weeks as well. So it's been a big help.
1: Yeah, no problem. Don't uh, don't tell the other Lexi players though. You <laughs> might be upset with me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Keep it under wraps.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, well, you always send me like you know, you're always like, oh, yeah, let me know how you're doing at, you know, even just the road to Nats. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing like this. And you always coach me up a little bit. So I was trying to <laughs> trying to pay it forward. You know, like, thank you. you got this, you can do it, you know, one game at a time, etc. So um, yeah, so just appreciate you. So we have a few just to help us get going here. We have a few questions from uh, folks in our sphere, things that they want to know that we're just going to Fire off at you and get the get the juices flowing. Um, Sounds good. So, uh, friend of the pod and uh, friend of ours personally in real life also, Zane asks. So, what deck did you least want to sit across from during nationals?
2: Oh, easy, Prism. <laughs> I really did not want to play against Prism, and it probably would have been after. Uh, having a few games with Isaac here Lightning and Lexi, I did not want to play against either uh, although I thought that deck probably wouldn't really show up, but Prism I thought might show up and I, I really was hoping to to dodge Prism, um, unfortunately I didn't, <laughs> I played it in round 2, but I managed to draw reasonably well and, and um, you can win the matchup so yeah, I, I was able to luckily, uh, but it's definitely a matchup I wanted to avoid and uh, I managed to avoid it after that thankfully
1: do you combo or tempo that
2: matchup? Uh, tempo. Yeah, just but basically, I got to. If I can, I want to set up like a five to eight sort of room chant turn if I can, um, which I was able to set up, I think, a five room chant turn, which I then turned into like a Scalada, into Ninth Blade, into Rattlebones, uh, I think a meet and greet or something. So I was able to do like a 25, 26 damage turn with the Scalada. Um, and that's kind of really key to winning that matchup because if they get too far ahead with auras and shields and things like that um that combined with the heralds they just they just you can't really race them unless they kind of get the de- the side of the deck that's all auras or uh you can maybe set up a combo if they're on if they draw all heralds for instance and um he didn't see many auras earlier which was nice for me or he couldn't play them so yeah
0: nice yeah so you know on just kind of in that same vein you know you're kind of the only per i guess matt rogers too right but um, you were at Orlando during our nationals, and you have now been to uh, your country of uh, residences now, adoption, nationals. yeah, yeah, <laughs> in Australia. Um, so what? So what's the vibe like in Australia versus the U.S. and stuff? I mean, obviously the numbers are way different, but um, you know what's going on? Is are we are we drinking pina coladas and? <laughs> you know or are we just you know like headphones in you know prepared for the fight type of type of situation
2: it's um do you know what i got asked at orlando uh the, the coverage team like grabbed me for a quick chat and the question they asked me was i reckon the most difficult question they said what's the difference between the communities and the the competition like and it's such a hard uh, question to answer because even if you have an opinion on it it's it's not one you really want to share right <laughs> like right. but but in, in all honesty, when I went to Orlando, I was surprised by the level of competition. It was I knew people were getting better, but like just the average level of player was was way higher than um, than maybe I thought it would be, especially being so new to a lot of players. But there was a uh, quite a few players who are maybe seasoned TCG players who had picked the game up recently, and and um, were just good just good at the game. Uh, I mean, and you can see that in Michael Hamilton, who won the Orlando Calling, who I played in, I think round. Five or six or something um, had only been playing the game a short while. Uh, one calling top eight, and then a second calling top eight and a win. Um, you know, you've got players like that. So, in terms of like comparing it to Australia, from like a competitive standpoint, uh, I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty similar. There's you know uh, a handful of really really good players. Then there's you know there's quite a few quite decent players. You know that are competitive and, and do well, and you could expect to, to top eight a nationals, for instance, or or a calling. Um, And then you've also got, just from a community side, I think it's, so far, I've been in New Zealand for an event, I've been in Australia, I've been in the US, everyone's just super passionate about the game Um, and that kind of translates across. And I think you can see that when you look on Facebook, Discord, wherever it might be, you kind of see that and it's the same in person as well. So, um, yeah, I I think, to be honest, my experience uh, in terms of like the event itself was both fantastic in Orlando and the Australian Nationals, I had such a good time because... All my opponents were there to play a game that they love. Um, they were really nice, to be honest. I, I didn't encounter anyone that wasn't. And uh, the competition was also at a, at, a, at a pretty high level as well.
1: So as far as all the really good Australian players in that tournament, do you like personally know them? Do you have a history of playing against them? Like When you sit down across from somebody, are you like familiar with their style of play, who they are and all that? Or are most people strangers?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I think in Australia right now, not not really, because we haven't had many events to be honest. So you know, maybe in the US, say you played all of the callings this season. By the time you get to the last calling, you might be aware of certain groups of players or players that have been performing well. How they play, they maybe like you say, play style, or uh, you might have played them before. Or if you're in a state and you go to road to nationals, maybe you're familiar with those players. While we have like the local kind of scene within within my state, uh, it was kind of a a really interesting to me. And I was talking to another player about this like, what is Nationals going to be like? We've got players coming from, you know, uh, our northern state, our southern state, um, and from all around that we haven't really played against before. It's been very limited. You know, maybe it was like a skirmish season in season one where uh, I actually was fortunate enough to travel to a couple of skirmishes. uh, But you know other than that really hadn't and that's but that's a long time ago players have really stepped up their game so it was really interesting to sort of see what that was going to be like and uh, no not really didn't really know a lot about the players from other parts of the country and there were some some players that I did not expect I played against a a player in I think like the first round of the second draft who I'd I'd never met before who was was good Um, and ended up top adding the event and I I didn't know that person at all Uh, there's a couple like there's you know there's a few players in sydney for instance that i play with regularly who are are very good and and those players i do know um one of those was my finalist opponent roy um so yeah it's a bit of a mixed bag but it was definitely this was kind of the first time where a lot of probably the different areas of australia finally came together for an event uh, which was cool
1: Cool.
0: awesome that's great great question isaac you're a (laughs) professional podcaster (laughs) so uh you kind of mentioned draft there um So how do you how does it feel like so the U.S. um, draft or uh, nationals was uh, similar format, but like, you know, obviously a little bit different for all of the like players and stuff. Um, How does it feel like knowing that you have to do well in the draft to get to top eight? And how did those drafts like go for you? Because that's like the part in the like bit of coverage, we don't really get to see, you know, mm. I think you had one game. I can't remember which round or which draft it was on camera. Um, but yeah, so how did those drafts go? Cause I know you're a very savvy and passionate
2: limited player. I, I do love um, limited. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I do love draft. It's probably at the end of the day, my favorite format, to be honest. And uh, I think it's great. I honestly think the the multi format is really good for testing people's discipline you know you could go six zero and constructed but if you won five your draft you're not going to make top eight or two four your draft you might not make top eight so it, it is a i guess uh you have to show skill across multiple formats which i think is is great when you're crowning a mm-hmm. national champion right mm-hmm. um so yeah i i like that aspect i think i felt really confident i felt more confident heading into draft than i did constructed in all honesty uh and in the end, I three three draft. I had a bit of a I had a bit of a bad time in my drafts. Actually, my first draft, I two one drafting an old time deck, which was it was an ice old time, but it was a bit of a mess. I probably should have been in lightning Lixie for where my seat was, mm. uh, but I kind of spotted it a bit too late and um, didn't pivot. And then actually had the same thing in my second draft. I ended up in in an earth, well, actually, really a hybrid briar deck where I had exactly thirty playables. Was you know almost at player crack bobble had a bit of a bad time in that draft as well. And again, I just identified a bit too late. I think, the, to be honest, just a little bit of pressure, I think. I just kind of felt like I needed to commit to my seat a little bit earlier than I normally would. And I kind of, a lot of my testing actually went out the window, which was not good. <laughs> um, when I spent so much time on draft preparation and something that I talk a lot about, it kind of fell to the wayside for me a little bit. And I got punished pretty heavily for it. I ended up being one of five briars at the final, uh, at, the, at the top draft table on day two. Um, and went one-two in that draft Uh, which luckily that that win, but first I won round one, which was my lock for top eight. Um, And then I I played a little bit sloppy in my last round being already locked for top eight, which I definitely shouldn't Mm. have done. But um, yeah, it's, my draft didn't, didn't, you know, I was feeling confident and then went three, three in draft and five, one in constructed. So it was kind of a bit of a funny turnaround.
0: Oh, I didn't know you were X and four.
2: I was, yeah. I was the, I think the highest of the X and fours though, because I was X, two at the end of day two and then i won my first round on day one so i was uh, what's that i was eight and two and that was basically a lock for top eight and then lost my last two rounds and finished sixth seed. yeah
1: yeah it's really it's really easy to second guess yourself drafting right and then to wonder like wait would i normally make this decision am i second guessing (laughs) myself right now you know like just sticking to your fundamentals is a bit tough because you're like wait is this risky is this what i should do or would normally do it's just hard to make that decision in the moment because uh, you've never been in that moment before, with that exact set of cards and that exact set of you know like things you've passed and all that. It's like very fluid and yeah, hard to hard to keep it together.
2: Yeah, I think the set of players as well. I think that's one thing that kind of maybe threw me off a little bit is that there were players at my draft tables that I had never drafted with before. You know, whereas usually if I'm in the the local sort of group of testing that people get together for drafting or at a, a local event, I've probably drafted with those players a few times. And uh, maybe there's some influence vice versa between card values. And I think there were some cards that people valued a lot lower than I did at our draft table. And there were some cards that people drafted uh, valued a lot higher than I would at our draft table. So it just is, you know, there's also that thing where I think especially in draft one, like I got a late or like a semi kind of mid pick turn timber. And I was like, okay, yeah, like earth all time does seem like it's open here. Um, whereas in reality, it, it, it probably wasn't. It's just, I valued that card higher than other people at the table. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, just interesting things like that. I just think I kind of lost my, like you say, Isaac fundamentals a little bit and that, that punished me. So big learning, um, but luckily not too punished. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't okay. matter. It's fine.
0: <laughs> I, I wonder too, if that, kind of value system will be a little bit more like colloquially known like or just known for players and that sort of thing if we have kind of more drafting events right like you know Australia it sounded like you went to some skirmishes but I don't know if any of those were draft right so there just haven't been any like high level drafts for um, people to get that kind of tournament experience you know and then perhaps that does change your values and then so then maybe like the draft at next year's nationals hopefully is maybe like could be a much tighter uh cutthroat format with Mm -hmm. like and then so you
2: won't be like
0: oh i i uh i don't know about this turn timber
2: you know yeah there's um there's a you know when you talk about classic constructed everyone kind of knows roughly what the metagame looks like they know the top decks they know what's performing well whereas in draft we don't have the discourse we don't have the coverage we don't have or we have less of the coverage i guess it's less focused upon uh the content creators are less focused on it in general we you look on discord forums or chat forums or groups i think limited is often something that's less discussed because it's i don't know maybe it's not as sexy or it's uh it's less easy to talk about and to have a metagame for but really when it's half the rounds and in a big event like nationals or maybe in the future pro tours and worlds, uh, it's pretty important or calling things like that. So I expect us to probably get more, I think as a community get better at limited in the future, but it's, uh, it's very yeah. new, especially for a lot of players who have come from games or have never played TCGs uh, games that don't have limited formats. It's uh, it's pretty new. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah I find yeah. that, uh, sorry, Isaac, this will be a quick, quick point here but sure that the uh flesh and blood draft is not like other drafts it's like very tight and uh you know mirrors the game the drafting of the cards mirrors the game of flesh and blood very well like where there's a lot of like yeah i don't know momentum and tactical decisions you have to kind of make or else you wind up with like four crack baubles (laughs) yep (laughs) okay go ahead isaac what were you gonna say
1: oh i i thought that was a pretty interesting point because to me like limited is sexier really you know um because it takes all of the like you can't just come with a good deck if you come with a good deck it means you like picked and crafted that deck you know it's like all on you on the fly so it's really really impressive but i guess it is true that like watching the draft games on camera if you're not watching it and like appreciating the deck that somebody picked and put together it's just like inferior gameplay that you're watching right so i can definitely see it being you know less intriguing or less important as far as like entertainment value but it's just like such an important skill
0: yeah and and you um, can see how the the people at home too are like oh he just must have opened those cards or what you know <laughs> what I mean like you know just pure luck you know yeah. or whatever
2: yeah it's um you you only see half the equation or you only see half the movie so to speak in terms mm-hmm. of when you watch a, a draft match happen if you don't see the draft a lot of so much of the decision and the actual uh the the game itself is actually played during that draft in terms of where you position yourself. Uh, where others position themselves and what that means for the draft you know oh actually this deck looks looks so good uh it must have you know like you say opened good cards or. but in actual fact you could have wheeled those cards you could have crafted that that table state you may have been one of only two drafters or maybe the only drafter in a certain hero um which you get really rewarded for and i I kind of (laughs) sexy is funny but i kind of look at it like uh like a movie right like if you, Classic Constructed is kind of like going to see like a big blockbuster movie, right? Where like mm-hmm. it's exciting and there's a lot happening and it's really upfront and, um, you know, it's it's entertaining. Whereas maybe Limited, especially Draft, is a bit more like, a, you know, it's watching like a character actor or watching something that's a bit more of an arthouse film where there's yeah. a lot going on below the surface, but maybe it requires a bit more digging and a bit more sort of investment in, uh, in the, I guess, the, the product itself.
0: Yeah, totally. And you kind of have to be like, uh, you know, A nerd a bit to be like, oh yeah, yeah, yellow, whatever. Oh, amazing, you know. Especially because I saw him pitch this card, they pair so well together, you know, stuff like that. And yeah, and for sure, your point about how content creators aren't focused on it. Like it is just like flat harder to create content around Limited, right? As we we have like definitely tried and talked about it and thought. Uh, how to do it but it's just it takes so much more effort and when you know our time is limited since we haven't made it big yet as a podcast and this is the only thing we do for income um, uh, support us on patreon so we can make that happen Uh, (laughs) that you know we can't devote our resources as much as we really would want to to limited uh coverage and stuff
1: and like hayden said it it's like the the game happens in draft right like playing your mm-hmm. matches is the yeah. easy part you know yeah, like once 100%. i sit down with my deck i'm like okay i'm you know i'm a good pilot i know i have these four threats you know it's just like that's mm-hmm. you're like more on autopilot then you're just kind of cruising the the stressful part is over almost um so yep. yeah uh so <laughs> when you're walking down the street in australia hayden do you just think like none of these people know I'm the coolest guy here <laughs> yeah I thought about
0: that too like do you guys go out to the pub afterwards and you're just like drinks are on me and everybody's like Woo, who is this who is this guy and you're like I'm the national champ and they're like of what of this kids game <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh yeah, oh, definitely. Uh I mean I actually got a t shirt printed, it says national champion. So I'm just gonna wear that around for the <laughs> No. I mean uh Did you get it printed
0: in cold foil? Or gold foil, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah, gold foil, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I said please make sure the, the border is a nice glimmering <laughs> gold. <laughs> I it's such a it's such a weird it's so funny, like when the match finished and was over and then everyone kinda clapped because there was a bunch of people watching on the big screen, kind of like thirty feet from where we were and then everyone kind of claps and then the head judge announces the winner and then it's like cool okay uh should we go for dinner (laughs) like it's and then we all which is cool it was actually an awesome thing like we all our kind of local group of of players uh, my local store was running the nationals uh we all went for like korean barbecue for afterwards and you know like as a big group and, and went out for dinner and um that was like a really cool sort of experience to cap off the weekend uh in, in all honesty like there is kind of that idea of like almost like going to the pub but we you know we went uh we went for, for dinner and a few drinks and that was a cool way to finish the weekend off nice dope all right t- dope. taking
1: it back um oh. <laughs> do you see <laughs> i meant to ask this before do you see viscerai as a resilient uh strong deck um, for the next few months or was this just a particularly good way to attack the meta at mm. this moment
0: yeah a lot of people have sent me messages about this very thing <laughs> uh
2: oof. it's it's a tough question because everfest kind of moves the needle but if we yeah. just say that maybe we say that everfest helps every hero equally I, you know let's just take that as something that, that might happen uh in that case i think Viseray is somewhat resilient it's to be honest, it's kind of hard to target. Like, uh, I had opponents actually who were playing like Chains of Eminence against me, um, which I think they kind of knew about the matchup and were kind of prepared for it. And the card kind of never really did anything. I think they kind of drew it at unfortunate times, not when I had the read the runes or for the Sonata turn, etc. Um, but that, that's one way you could target it, for instance, right? Uh, I mean, I think it comes down to meta, to be honest. I think Viscerai can lose to itself, so you can just if you especially if you're trying to otk uh you can just not draw this it happens to be on camera uh just not draw the sonata when you need it you can not see your room chant creators in the first sort of you know 15 20 cards um so the deck can lose to itself but i think there's a lot of decks in the format this past format we're just kind of moving through that can do that channel mount heroic you draw a bunch of blues you never see channel Channel mount heroic in your briar channel deck you play chain and you with all your shackles you know like there 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 is so many decks in this current format that i think have consistency issues and and viscerai is among them but i think it has less of that because one of the cool things about the deck and one of the complicated things about the deck is that you can play in a range from an aggro deck to a combo deck and somewhere in between and you can flex within each match that you actually play Uh, you can start the match as an aggro deck and pivot to a combo deck you can start as a combo deck and pivot to an aggro deck and uh, vice versa or mid-range so I think the deck is quite resilient in that regard, and the fact it has a lot of game plans. Um, it's a, it's not that easy to target. So, yeah, I think the deck will continue to be around in some shape or form. Maybe the combo becomes less prevalent because people are more open to it. Like, they, they have their eyes open, so we see more, you know, maybe Ryanar comes into the format because Intimidator is really strong against combo decks. Uh, but the cool thing is you can pivot to a tempo deck and actually still do pretty well in that matchup. So... Yeah, uh, long answer, I guess, but I think it is it is a pretty resilient deck on the face, uh, sort of all things considered. Nice.
1: Gosh,
0: there, there's some turns on that deck too where you you wind up with like you know 13 rune chance. It's kind of like the middle of the game, and you wind up with a become the Arc Knight and a Rattlebones in hand, and you're like, okay, now all of my cards I could have at any moment what's the what's the we'll line yeah. yeah it's like yeah and you have an attack and a non-attack and you're just like cool I could I could do anything how how do I do this you Can know get it yeah, yeah. and uh, so yeah and you could just pick the wrong thing at the wrong time and be like oops <laughs> you know um, which happened to me the other night in testing for sure um,
1: do you think? Uh, do you think you got a little bit of on-camera karma for all your digs at Brendan over there? Do You think if you <laughs> ripped on him a little less, you might have? <laughs> Sorry, just uh, not a real question.
2: <laughs> I-, I won the one that mattered, right? Totally. Touché. Uh,
1: <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh yeah. What was your gold foil, by the way?
2: Uh, I got Valiant Dynamo. Did you really? Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Cool. How do you feel about nice. that one?
2: <laughs> it's funny. I joked like it's kind of I think perceived as one of the worst, right? And I was joking before we got the the um, the random gold foils kind of handed out, like after the final. I was like, can't wait to open my Valiant Dynamo, and then sure enough, open Valiant Dynamo. But uh, honestly, I think that I, I don't care. A gold foil is a gold foil to me. And and the <laughs> if you, it's so funny. Totally. Uh, like the thing that the I was joking with the head judge, who's uh, you know a friend of mine. Um, he was saying you didn't even take the, the gold foil. And I was like, yeah, there was, there was only one thing on my mind and it was that big shiny white thing. <laughs> it yeah. was the trophy. Um, and I, just having the gold foil is, is cool and it's something that that I've, I'm still sitting on. And I think Valiant Dynamo in particular can only get better, to be honest. it's not seeing play at For the sure. moment and it's a really powerful piece of equipment. So yeah, I, sure. I can't be upset in any way, shape or form. <laughs>
0: Yeah. What I am upset about, though, is we have videos on and that you do not have your national champion trophy already on a shelf behind you. Um, It's a real missed opportunity.
2: It's just sitting in the box, actually.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, at least you have an excuse that you were busy at work. You know, we'll get it up. Totally. Um, So. Uh, going back to nationals quickly before we maybe potentially move on to Everfest and the next meta and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know how much of the New Zealand coverage you were aware of or have since you won your national championship uh, have paid attention to, but if you have, have you, ha- how aware of you are? Of yeah. I, I,
2: I had uh my good friend and testing partner, Dan McKay playing in the event, plus another friend, okay, um, right. Dave and, and i I watched the final last night actually. Um, yep. so I have, I have seen, so yeah.
0: So my question is then is there's going to be two fold questions here, or there's gonna be a follow up question. So, um, kind of compare and contrast here, the Australian meta and the New Zealand meta. So for us at home, it appears that they're kind of a little bit, uh, different, uh, like for me and Isaac, we talked about previously to this interview, how we were kind of surprised that there was less viscera in New Zealand. Um, and there was just like a rampant amount of guardians and prisms actually. Um, so, and it doesn't seem like Australia had that uh, type of distribution itself.
2: So, I think it depends on what you look at. So the the day 2 numbers were were different. Uh but I think the day 1 numbers were pretty interesting and pretty similar. in actual fact when you look at it the, there was quite a few guardians in Australia as well. Less so than than New Zealand for sure. Uh so I don't you said about Viseray. I don't know if you if you saw this but Viseray was the number 2 hero on day 1 in New Zealand. There's 20 people playing Viseray or something on day 1. It was the second most played hero. Uh oh, just had yeah, a really see, bad yeah. conversion rate. Only two people made day 2 with it. <laughs> <laughs> dang um so it's it's really hard to i think look at the meta in isolation because you have six rounds of draft and on day one you know it's only three rounds of draft six rounds are constructed in terms of making day two so maybe you could say the day two numbers are the ones to look at but uh, a a good a good thing i think to kind of use is i don't know like a i guess a almost like a, a weather vane in terms of like where you're at is there was this whole discussion around uh, New Zealand and Australia. Nationals are going to show, you know, that Briar is, you know, beatable. And there's a lot of talk about the, those players showing that and having the time to do it. Um, Briar was the the most represented deck on day two in Australia. It was still pretty up there in New Zealand. And um, just, I guess this is anecdotal, but a good friend of mine, uh, Dave, he didn't want to play the Visceraide deck. He didn't have the testing on it. He didn't really want to play all time because he didn't want to, you know, have, be, have long games. So, uh, we just gave him an updated Lightning Briar list. He played an updated Lightning Briar list, went 6-0 and, and constructed. Um, you know, like the deck is still very, very good. But the draft, you know, he had a 2-4 draft, for instance, and missed top eight, came 10th, missed his, his top eight. So it's uh, if, if I just look at the metas in isolation, I think it's really tough. But I think they're actually pretty similar. Just a few more guardians. We had Prisms in Australia. Unfortunately, they got paired into Briars early and, and struggled. Uh, whereas, you know, I know Nick holding that one and congratulations to Nick. Awesome effort. Awesome yeah. championship win. Uh, I think he didn't run into a briar so he managed to dodge that and then preyed on all the guardians for instance. So right. um, yeah, it's tough with that sample size but I think the mid is a pretty similar to be honest. It's just a, a few, few, few differences.
0: Well, that's also wild too that like you know, also Isaac, we're going to have to re-record the whole first part of this uh, podcast where we uh, talk about the hero distribution and how surprising it is but apparently we're extremely wrong and just idiot americans watching well maybe maybe i'm wrong
1: (laughs) no we were talking about the day two distributions exclusively yeah yeah the the day two
2: is what's on the fab tcg website and i but i know that someone posted on facebook the the day one um it's just that you know the day two is the one to look at right that's the one where you've had six rounds of constructed what does that breakdown look like after six yeah. rounds of constructed? I think yeah. it's really interesting and, and gives you a good representation of what the, and to, not to put it bluntly, but you know, the, the top players are, are playing in terms of what people are trying to win nationals with.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Hayden saved it. We don't have to re-record it. It's fine. Thanks Hayden. Um, but you know, so if they are similar, it's just, that's just wild to me then, right? Like what Swiss can do, you know, in, in, similar metas uh for heroes and stuff you know it's just a razor's edge you know what i mean you bring prism you're like i'm gonna prey on guardians and it works out or you're like crap now i've had to play two rounds of briar and i'm o2 or something you know
2: yeah the the other thing you can look at i guess is game plans or mm. like where their positioned. so if you say like briar is like level one and then like guardian and Viseraya maybe level two well, Prism and Dash are probably like level three, right? So it's like right. how many players are sitting on those tiers? And, and and in all fairness, New Zealand had more players sitting on that third tier. They had players playing Dash. They had players playing Prism uh, trying to prey on level two, right? Whereas right. I think Australia was more focused on level two uh, yeah. and had very few on level three, to be honest. So yeah, yeah I think that's a, that's another way to look at it.
0: I think that's a great analogy, the levels. <laughs> that makes it easy to understand for my brain for sure. Um <clears throat> excellent. So uh kind of just moving along here. So like it's on our minds now, right? Nationals is is uh finally over and we can now look forward to Everfest and the ProQuest and that sort of thing. So what kind of influences do you think that uh, Australia and New Zealand are going to have for this uh, Everfest meta that we see, or do you think it won't influence it at all?
2: I think it's got to in some way, shape, or form. It's the, the most recent two events before the banning, um, and it's the evolution of a meta, right? So I think, and, and it's a evolution of a meta where Briar was less prevalent, especially in New Zealand, right, in terms of uh, in the final tables. So uh, I mean, you look at both finals, you no know, Briar and, and either finals match. So I think probably what it does is set the standard that uh, old time is very good and can be played in multiple ways heading into Everfest, that um, you have you have a legitimate combo slash sort of mid-range deck in Viserai, Um And that, you know, probably with Channel Mount Heroic, which we saw a majority of Briar players playing, Briar Briar not dead. <laughs> so yeah. I think those are kind of the things that it does, does tell us heading into... Into everfest is those three decks and now prism as well um to add in there are probably the decks people are looking to immediately to say okay what what change happens here uh do these decks still remain very good or do we see other things coming um or is this our starting point
0: yeah i think so All right keep it simple like whatever was good is going to continue to be good you know and uh then whatever everybody else's like favorite deck is that gets new tools they're
1: going to want to like also play that as well you know actually i don't think that's a bad strategy though right because if you if you look at all these new cards and you don't like break something or discover the new combo right i think the best the best decision is to take yeah, your favorite course. like the one you have the most reps on and is like pretty strong you know If you don't, you know, have something wild and new, just like switching over to Reinar and throwing the new cards in, like probably isn't going to carry you through. So I think everybody falling back to their go-to deck is, you know, pretty natural, but also I think the right decision.
2: What's tried, tested, and tuned is often a good way to start in a format because it's uh, people, you know, you've got plans for matchups, you've got a tight list. Uh, you can really punish people for having sort of more uh, loose lists where they haven't been able to tweak and tune things for sure. Yeah.
1: And they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, totally.
0: How do you uh, also view like the, uh, you know, I think we have to keep in mind too that your guys' uh, nationals is like pre-ban mm-hmm. and we're now living in a post-ban uh era and so how do you think like you know uh your favorite heroes then match up in that so like viscerai and reinar you know are you are you like you know looking to get out the old dice and uh, (laughs) whip out the skull crusher and go to town or what uh
2: yeah yeah in short word yes uh i think the first thing you do right and this was really natural after seeds was banned when we headed when we were heading into the tails meta i think we'll do the same thing and a lot of players will do the same thing is what are the decks that were being held back by briar from potentially being one of the best decks in the format and immediately prism comes to mind we obviously just saw it when new zealand nationals but a deck that preys on a lot of the decks that were popular that isn't briar so you take Briar out of the equation to some degree. With it, we don't know how to what degree that is, and what things might come into Everfest that help support it. We haven't. I don't think we've seen any Runeblade cards yet, uh, so <laughs> they're probably leaving them for last for a reason. <laughs> but they, you know, you, you see you see that. So Rhaenys is another one for me. Uh, Levia as well. The two brutes I think stand out as as uh, potentially powerful options in a meta that uh, that doesn't have Briar as prevalent in it. So I think that's kind of a natural starting point. Uh, with the bannings and changes and then you go okay well you know what else changes probably lightning elixir becomes worse without ball lightning for instance um does that impact on any decks and that's i think that's kind of the it's a really good starting point to be honest in terms of when you're looking at a new format
0: for sure isaac you look like you have something you want to say
2: oh i was just this is a
1: <laughs> slightly off topic but I wanted to mention my my favorite play, Hayden, um, of you in the finals is this is pretty this is pretty badass. Flex is when you you <laughs> count off the cards on the off the top of your deck and lay them all out there, and then you slap down Sonata.
0: Well, you almost awesome. it seemed like you almost forgot <laughs> to play it, right?
1: No, it was flex, Taylor. You didn't forget. Oh, I definitely oh, forgot. Right.
2: Yeah. No, so the, the best thing, the best, the best flex is I also asked the judge to confirm the count as well. So you see yeah, another hand yeah, coming there and that's yeah, the head totally. judge counting the cards. Yeah, and then he goes, and then he goes, he counts them and he goes, he puts his hand over the cards and just goes, now just play the Sonata. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's, what so what a, happened what is I announced
2: the Sonata. So I go, yeah. um, I'm going to break the Escalada. I said, you know, crack Escalada play Sonata, Mechanics X equals uh, nine, oh, fif- uh, 15, sorry. So yep, 18 cards. And then I started counting out. And then, you know, I think Roy had been playing three hours straight, you know, two fatigue matches before that. I don't think he even noticed. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, for some reason, I think I was like, so like looking at my hand that I just didn't flip the Arsenal card. Mm. And then, so we counted out and then the judge was like, yeah, I mean, all good, but before you flip these cards over and you start looking at extra cards, let's play the card that does this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And he's like, you've that's announced funny. it. You just have to just have to put it on the table. Yeah, okay, all good. That's <laughs> funny
1: because we didn't have any audio. So, yeah. uh, you know, missed that part of it. Yeah. Anyway, excellent, excellent.
0: Yeah, great flex, could, Hayden. <laughs> could have been disastrous. <laughs> oh, totally. But it's all good. It's all good. Um, Gosh, I guess that's kind of it. I that's all that's all I got for you. You don't have any more
1: listener questions.
0: Uh, no, we answered them all.
1: Oh, nice. Just naturally.
0: Yeah, totally naturally, and I kind of combined a couple there too. You know, just a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, (laughs) Hayden, what so far? So today is Tuesday. Your Wednesday. What is your favorite? spoiler that's come out so far which one has piqued your interest
2: uh I bravo it's got to be bravo i think for me in terms of just in terms of the the amount i've thought about it since it's been spoiled it would be bravo Uh, when i saw bravo i was about to go to bed and then i spent about an hour just thinking about that card um (laughs) when i saw it spoiled
0: i can see you just like arms crossed on your chest like staring up into the ceiling you know just like in bed but not sleeping
2: uh, moonbeam moon on your face you know yeah. yeah 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 no it was it was queen's game style you know i've got like the three essences <laughs> yeah. like above me just like floating around and what that means <laughs> uh, yeah bravo i think um fire breathing is just for a few different reasons and i actually tweeted about it i think that just the nostalgia aspect from a, as a magic player but also what that card means we haven't really seen resource sinks but we are seeing it in the set we get silver as well which is a, a really strong resource sink i think um, those those two cards, and then of course the the gloves, the brute gloves uh, is probably, it's a really powerful effect on there, but the the RNG aspect is you know, as what do you do about that, how do you try and <laughs> limit that, what does that look like uh, the immediate thought is like Scabs can lead this for instance, but it's like well actually maybe Barkbone Strapping becomes like a really important option in, in Rhinar decks or, you know, so that's probably what's got my brain ticking so far
0: nice yeah for me it's the new warrior helm actually <sighs> yeah yeah it's like confuse. it's like confusing to read it the first time you're like wait what but then you kind of sit there and you think right okay i like now understand uh what's happening so like bolton comes to mind right away you know like uh raiden is already like double its base power which is zero you know tripled i guess even and so that like becomes really um exciting i think uh because that's kind of maybe what bolton needs is like an extra card to play out on the combat chain so yeah yep yeah that one's pretty cool yeah and it's cool that it defends for less than skull cap i really like that actually you know
1: hey me too yeah, <laughs> warrior players stop playing that. Instead, I like I like the new potion, right? Because you just, I mean, you envision, mm. right? Like I just pitch gaze to Kano, and then it instant crack it, and then Kano gaze, right? Or like whatever, it's just like infinite options. You know, yeah. you pitch your red, and then
2: Kano, or you, it's just like it goes on and on. Exactly. So, they will give you I, a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah. I just saw that card before before I jumped on to to talk to you both, and that card is uh, that card is really powerful. I think it has a yeah. lot of options, uh, like Kano particularly. Yeah, I mean that's something that I'm super excited about. Like you say, I've pitched two blues, and I've also pitched uh, a blazing ether here, or I've pitched a, a tome of um, you know the aether wind, and also I get to decide how I stack those and when I use this. I can sit this potion around for as long as I need to until I find that turn to use it. So. That yeah, that card I just saw and um I haven't thought about it too much, but so much you can do with that card, I think.
0: It's the potion of deja vu, is that the one?
2: Great name yep. too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool yeah, art really cool. too. The the art in this set is like so cool. Everything seems to have like a uh an interesting, like I don't know. Background eth- ethereal <laughs> kind yeah. of feel to it, right? Yeah, like even even uh, the new Guardian card, right? Uh whatever it's called, pulverize, kind of feels like you've just walked into like uh carnival tent and you're like, what the fuck's happening in here? You know? That's like that's the vibes yeah. these cards are giving me.
2: There's some cool art. There's some stuff that I was like, well oh, it's a bit weird, like the one that makes six coppers if you hit the like the the strength one. Yeah. Uh I was like, Oh that's yeah. kinda odd. But then I really like some of the the more uh non like carnival related art like the kind of surrounding kind of landscape art of you know maybe people doing things or uh like like some of those um so yeah it's cool i like it
0: totally i'm pretty excited for the week to continue and for me to not do the work i need to do when spoilers drop literally the same is... yep yeah it's so fun <laughs> yeah it's cool. tough
1: you gotta lock your phone up <laughs> i'm gonna have to um... tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> it... Uh, we've uh, kept you from your marathon of interviews for quite a long time now, but I did want to ask: as a Kiwi who has now just recently conquered Australia, are you uh, <laughs> headed back to the homeland? To, or are you moving?
0: Uh, you moving <laughs> into my uh, extra bedroom and coming to the states?
1: Oh, uh, um, so- U.S. nationals, is it? Yeah. <laughs>
2: It's it's funny. I um I had a few of the New Zealand players like message me about that, you know, saying so you know how good it is to have a New Zealander win Australian nationals, just as <laughs> as our rivalry is so fierce between you know and good and uh, all in good fun. But um no 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 plans to to leave anytime soon. My my adopted country at the moment. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Well, the world is safe from Hayden Dale for a little bit longer. Um, Hayden, I can't thank you enough. Um, if you would like to, like Brendan likes to say, shill out any of your your stuff, feel free to. But I'm sure everybody knows who you are at this point. And if you don't uh, f- figure it out, I guess.
2: <laughs> I mean, sure. I mean, if you want to find uh, myself and and Brendan and Arsenal Pass and what we do, just just uh, drop us into a YouTube search and um i'm sure you better find us at arsenal pass if you put fab after it or even if you put arsenal pass flesh and blood whatever it is uh yeah we if you don't don't know what we do we we make um gameplay content we make deck tech content but our kind of main bread and butter is is our podcast and yeah other than that i mean nothing really has to say <laughs> thanks for having Great. me on it's been it's been cool to talk to you guys obviously i talked to you guys quite a bit uh you know you're Good friends at this point now, and it's uh, it's awesome to, to be involved with what you guys do.
0: Thanks. Yeah, we really appreciate having you on, and we'll have you on again for the fabled three-peat. Well, that's our show. S- see you later, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at the Attack Action Podcast, on Twitter. We are at Battlebro Taylor and at Battlebro Isaac. Shoot us an email, theattackactionpodcast at gmail.com.
1: If you would like to support us, like and subscribe, shop for singles using our affiliate link, or support our Patreon for as little as $4 per month.